Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue. Faces turn red. And rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Welcome to the Daily DLP. Today I'm coming off a bunch of plane rides and a wedding, so of course I have a cold. I'm still taking you on a trip around the division. The Bears won a game. Again. Even when they were at their worst and I was making fun of them incessantly for it, I did say the team should be better than they were at the beginning of the year. And it's taken them some time, but they've proven to be a little bit better than they had previously looked. This week, they beat a Brian Hoyer-led Raiders team 30-12. And that's not said to make light of the 30. By hook or by crook, they put up 30 points on an NFL team. They did it by simplifying the game, taking as much off of their undrafted free agent rookie quarterbacks played as they possibly could and playing within their own players' abilities. You know, coaching an NFL team. We can all be hopeful that the Bears do this often enough this year to delay the restart and rebuild, retool, whatever you want to call it, by a year. (laughs) And uh, if they get to six wins after the start they had from where they were last year, I suspect that would do that given the turmoil that they had at the beginning of the year. And right now they're playing like a team that could maybe even somehow find a seventh win in their couch cushions. Which would be shocking to everybody, given the start, and probably would buy Matt Eberflus another year. Like right now, the way that he has this team playing, despite all of the reasons they should have given up by now, uh, I think he might actually deserve it. Like they just put up 30 on a three-win team with a rookie UDFA at quarterback, and that can't be dismissed out of hand. I really want to. I do hate the Bears after all. Uh, But on this Sunday, they did what non-hopeless teams do. Like, they won a game they had absolutely no right to win. Like, Brian Hoyer sucks, but he should be able to take that offense to more than six points on the Bears. But he didn't. If nothing else, Matt Eberflus has absolutely cemented himself as the number one defensive coordinator candidate for 2024. I might know a team that's looking for a guy. They're even running a similar defense to the one Eberflus likes to run, which would make the transition from what they're doing now to Eberflus's defense pretty smooth. 
Did you think I was talking about the Lions? No, they lost one game badly to a very good team. I told you they were in for a tough one, but I didn't think it would go quite the way that it did. Uh, I don't think I've seen a Lions team play worse than they did on Sunday, ever. I was otherwise occupied during the game. I didn't get to watch it until Tuesday. That's why there were no Monday or Tuesday episodes for me this week. But I'm not talking about the Lions here. As a landing spot for Ibaflus, the Green Bay Packers lost to a team that is actively tanking for a quarterback right now. Like, who told you three games ago that Jordan Love was a complete fraud? Who told you that the Packers were in for a rough go, starting with the Lions game? Well, they have dropped three consecutive games, and there's no shame in losing to the Lions. Love threw two interceptions in that one. There's no shame in losing to the Jimmy Garoppolo red-led Raiders. Love threw three picks in that one. And interestingly enough, the embarrassing loss was the first one where Jordan Love actually kind of looked like he might be coming back to a level that's half-decent. You kind of have to wonder... If Sean Payton took the Broncos receivers aside before this game and said, look guys, I can't trade you out of here if nobody wants you. You're playing like you don't belong in the league, so I can't get anything. Like Corlin Sutton hadn't topped 50 yards since week three. He went for 76 in a TD against the Packers. Jerry Judy rebounded from his three-catch 14-yard performance after he got in his little verbal sparring with Steve Smith on the sideline before the game last week. To this week, he caught five catches for 64 yards. Javante Williams gouged the Packers for 82 yards on 15 catches. But it's not like the Packers got blown out. They just lost a tight game to an inferior opponent. But are the Packers really the better team there? Like, did we expect the Broncos to be 2-5 and five after Week 7? Not really. They just had a surprisingly bad start and have since showed signs of life. Russell Wilson has actually quietly been having a pretty good season over there in Colorado, and it makes a guy wonder, did the Packers walk in assuming they would win because they're the Packers? That mystique is gone, gentlemen. It's dead, and you're the ones killing it. When a 66.5 slides into your top 5 PFF grades on offense, you've had a bad day. When 3 of your top 5 on defense are below 70, you've had a bad day. The Packers' season was basically on the line. 3-3 like three and three is a totally acceptable place to be at this point in the season. Heck, I could even say that I thought they were still threatening the division if they had managed to get to 3-3 three and three here, because that might mean that things they needed to turn around had to be turned around by them. But the Packers have lost three straight games, and they just dropped one to a team that I don't even think is trying to maximize the number of wins that they can get in the 2023 season. Like Jordan Love closed out the game in crunch time with the game on the line with one of his patented air punts that I have been talking about all season, and the Broncos secondary made him pay for that mistake. But it was still his best performance since week three. Things are not going well in Green Bay right now. So let's get to the second best team in the NFC North. The Vikings beat the 49ers. So is that an any given Sunday thing or something more? 
Yes. I said even when the Vikings were lining up to battle another winless team in week four, that they were the second best team in the division. They had just kind of been snake bit a little bit with a turnover rate that was not sustainable, was not going to last through the season. And the Vikings have slowed that record turnover rate to just not great. That's been enough. Since starting on three, they have gone three and one. So hot right now. <laughs> well, while the Packers have fallen off, the Vikings have been surging, honestly. Like, they're still a game under 500, and they're two back from the Lions in the division lead. But I don't think the Vikings had fallen as hard, as fast as we had to kind of hope they did as Lions fans. Just like the Packers were never as good as some of us feared they might be at the beginning of the season. Like, Jordan Addison showed us a skill set that got Kenny Pickett drafted in round one, and then seems to have helped Caleb Williams look like a generational QB in waiting last year after a transfer to USC. Uh, he's looked really human in the past few weeks, for those of you who don't really follow college football prospects outside of the NFL draft season. But back to Addison. He caught seven catches for 123 yards and a pair of touchdowns. So if you can't have Justin Jefferson on the field, apparently Jordan Addison is not a bad substitute. He's leading all rookies with six touchdown catches to this point in the year, and as a Lions fan, you really hate to see that. Like, hate it because it ties the NFL record for a receiver in the first seven games of their career. And the two players that he's tied with are Randy Moss and Jamar Chase. You legitimately just despise seeing that as a Lions fan. It's, that's awful. That's, uh... Sad, <laughs> to put it bluntly, for us. Uh, Kirk Cousins went 35 for 45 for 378 yards and two TDs with one interception. The Vikings leaned on Cam Akers more than they leaned on Alexander Madison in the run game, but Madison had the higher yards per carry. Uh, it could be that a reduced workload made for a better performance out of Madison. We'll see how that goes going forward. Uh, he was almost two yards per carry higher than Cam Akers. Uh, TJ Hawkinson did what he does, getting 11 catches for 86 yards, so 7.8 yards per catch. Not great. And Cousins, other than that, kind of sprayed the ball over, all over the field. There were a couple guys with five receptions and a whole bunch of people with one or two. Against the vaunted 49ers offense, the Vikings limited Christian McCaffrey to 45 yards on 15 carries. George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk each had five catches, as did Jawan Jennings. But the 49ers offense just didn't seem to have it on the day. Uh, Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy, everybody's favorite, New Brady, threw two picks. <laughs> The Vikings won the turnover battle and not surprisingly won the game. Like I said, when they were losing, that's why they were losing. You flip that, suddenly they're beating good teams. Like each team punted once and only one sack on the day combined for both teams. You would think from those two stats that this was a really high scoring affair, but it was 22 to 17 in a game that saw three whole points scored in the fourth quarter. So... 
Is this a sign of a resurgent Vikings team, or did they just take advantage of a 49ers team that is down to all pro players and also had Christian McCaffrey injured? That's a yes to both of those things. Like with the loss of Justin Jefferson, a lot of people, including me, were kind of writing the Vikings off. And they just went out and proved that you can't do that. You still have to show up and beat them. The 49ers did not. There are no asterisks in football. The Vikings beat the 49ers and grabbed second place in the NFC North. And I was originally going to just briefly hit on the Lions game during this uh, because I missed the last two days and then move on to the Raiders previews tomorrow. Uh, but unless this cold gets a lot worse and I can't do it, I'm changing the script and I'm going to look at the Lions game tomorrow. Uh, because like I said, I didn't get to watch it live. I The first uh, watch I got of this was watching silent all 22 footage, knowing the final score before I started. And I have a few things to say. See you tomorrow. Let's bring it in here together. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Lions on three. One, two, three. Lions. You've had enough of that shit.